Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. It is currently the month of October, my absolute favorite month because I was born in October, I enjoyed the change of seasons, and Halloween. Speaking of Halloween, do you have a Halloween Peace Corps story, or maybe an All Saints Day, or a Dia de los Muertes? or any such story from your time in Peace Corps? If so, I would love to hear about it. And to do so, I set up a voice mailbox to collect your individual stories. Call 646-883-9189 and leave your story. I hope to collect several different stories about Halloween or related holidays from volunteers and then meld them all together to one great episode to be released on October 31st. I'm going to be collecting submissions until October 28th, so please be sure to get in your story. Once again, that number is 646-883-9189, and you can find it in the show notes as well. On today's episode, I talked to Yudezi Abru, who is currently serving in Colombia as a said volunteer. Yadezi is a Colombian serving in Colombia. Her family is actually from the region where she serves, and her grandfather lives in a city close by. Yet, her service has not been without struggle, and much of that struggle has actually come from her being a Colombian. I think you guys will enjoy it. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. My name is Yadezi Abru, and this is my Peace Corps story. Hey, Yadezi. How's it going? It's going really well. Very happy to be here talking to you today, Tyler. Yeah, very excited. I always enjoy when I have an opportunity to talk to a volunteer who is currently serving. And, you know, you get a wide range of experiences and you know, sometimes they're a little bit more fresh when, you know, you're living it. You know, you're, you're currently a volunteer. You woke up this morning, uh, in, in village and, you know, serving. So I'm very excited to talk to you today about your experience. Yes. I'm very excited to be here. I would say I'm at a great time in service because I'm hitting that one year mark soon. And so I'm in what a lot of people would call the one year slump. And so, um, I'm in it. I'm in my service right now, loving every minute of it. Um, and excited to share a little bit about my story today with you guys. Okay. Yeah. So starting off, uh, Desi, just tell everybody about yourself and where you're serving, what you're doing as a volunteer. I am a Miami native from the U.S. I was actually born in L.A., um, but was raised in Miami my whole life. I come from the home of a single mother. Um, She is actually Colombian um, from the region where I am currently serving as a said volunteer in Colombia. I live in a small town called San Jacinto, notorious for being the oldest um, place that has pottery uh, and a very historical town in all of the Americas, as well as their artisan goods. Um, I am very much a Hispanic woman and proud serving in the Peace Corps. I didn't take any debt in my college years while I studied my marketing degree at a local university, Florida International University. And 
I worked my way through that whole process. It took me five years. And so I was a manager at a local Williams-Sonoma store. That was my main gig. But I also had several side gigs, being a line prep cook, um, catering. I also just did um, drive throughs at many fast food chains to make and meet. And right up when I graduated, I actually um, accepted my offer to join the Peace Corps. And so shortly after I graduated, a month later to my mother's dismay, I accepted my application and I got shipped off to Colombia, where I currently am. Awesome. So you are of Colombian descent and you, you, yes. you came into Peace Corps being fluent in Spanish, correct? Absolutely. It was my first language. Okay. And did, did you want to go to Colombia when you started the application? Uh, it, was this something where it's like, this is the number one place or what? What were you thinking you wanted to be as a Peace Corps volunteer? I actually wasn't too aware of the Peace Corps or what it was. I actually was just talking to a friend about how confused I was and, you know, that I really wanted to help people. And I had been through such a struggle to attain my own version of success and, you know, to receive an education. And I had received such a blessing from strangers that I had met throughout my career and my professional life who had helped me and guided me. And he said, you know, you'd be great to be a Peace Corps volunteer. And so I started looking online about what it was and, you know, the stereotype is Africa or something. Um, Moldova really attracted to me. But my main um, checklist there and the new I did apply when it was the newer application was that I really wanted to be in the said sector. I knew I didn't really want to teach English or anything like that because that wasn't where my passion was. I really, you know, do enjoy business. And so that was my only um preference when selecting and applying to the Peace Corps. Although I did not select Columbia, that is what I got nominated for. And I really didn't push. I know some people do push to get the ones that they wanted, but I just took it as such an honor and an opportunity and had known many people who applied who never even heard back that I was definitely um, nervous to even say that I, you know, would have preferred Africa or somewhere cold. I have never seen snow or experienced cold weather. And so that was something that interested me. I wanted to go maybe to the um, Middle East somewhere. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And so I actually served as a SED volunteer in Burkina Faso. So uh, big kudos to you wanting to be a SED volunteer. And I, the same way, I, I sort of wanted an, an iconic experience. And I sort of said, send me, send me to Africa. That's, that's where I want to go. That's what I, what I want to do. And it's interesting that you ended up being selected to, to be in, in Colombia. Uh, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about maybe some of the interesting things you've experienced being uh, a Colombian serving in Colombia as a Peace Corps volunteer? Well, when um, the desk officer first was vetting me for Colombia, I was like, oh, this is going to be such cake for me. I speak not only Spanish, but this very um, regional type of Spanish because the Colombian, the coastal Colombian culture is one of its own. It's very notorious in all of Colombia for being very unique. As a matter of fact, there's a huge rivalry kind of, so to speak, an amical rivalry between people who live in the interior and people who are from the coast. And so they were even asking me, like, um, we do have to, as Peace Corps volunteers, live with the host family for the entire duration of our service. And so they were asking me all kinds of questions about how I would be able to handle that. And I was like, oh, girl, I am a Colombian expert. I have a Colombian mom. I have always lived at home. I never even went away for school or college. It's just not the, the culture of the Colombian um, community, especially for women. And so 
I think that really put me up on their list and um, put me as someone who would really be able to integrate well. And so I really went into the experience thinking like, this is going to be such cake for me. Um, I am Colombian. How easy will this be? But that bubble was um, shortly bursted after I arrived at PST. I really had a, a horrible PST experience. And, you know, you go on all these blogs that you read online and most people rave and go on and on about how, you know, great PST is and you learn so much and you make so much friends. And I love my cohort. I know everybody thinks their cohort is the most special, but we are a pilot group here. I am the first uh, said group here in Colombia. We launched it. We kicked it off. And so I do think we are a little bit more special. Um, so they really were a great source of support for me. But, oh, yeah, I just had a terrible time in PST with, you know, not being selected with the best families. Uh, I switched one family onto, a, you know, I would describe it as a worst family for the second time around. And I think it did negatively Im impact um, the superficial level that you're kind of being judged on during PSC, because how much can you really learn about a person in, within three weeks of knowing them? Mm -hmm. um, and so I really had a bad time in PSC. And that's when it kind of hit me like, well, maybe this isn't going to be as cake as I thought it was going to be. But now being here for a year and making it through that, um, I really believe that I've had the space to blossom and show that, you know, I, I'm proud to be a Colombian and it has helped me being a Hispanic woman in my own um, country as well as it sometimes has hindered me as well. Um, because when they see me, I'm not the stereotype American um, that they expect. And so where maybe some of my Midwestern counterparts get that red carpet rolled out for them and, you know, they get the sweaty handshakes because somebody has never met an American um, it'll be likely I'll be 20 to 30 minutes deep in a conversation with somebody that I met. And it's kind of just like, when will the American get here? And I'm like, it's me. I am the American. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, yeah, it's, um, it's been, um, has had its high points and its low points and everything, but I definitely will admit that I thought it was going to be all roses when I came in and it hasn't turned out to be that way yet sometimes. Mm -hmm. I definitely eventually want to get into some of the difficulties of, of your service um, because, you know, service has the good and bad as, as does life. You know, it's, it's a yin and yang, yeah. but starting off, what are some of your favorite memories of your Peace Corps service so far one year in? One year in, I definitely have to celebrate um, the untold fourth goal of the Peace Corps, which is finding love. I am <laughs> dating a fellow said volunteer. Um, and so that has been really great. I never really had time in my life to date and to even think about that. And so that has just been a blessing within itself, just another fountain of support um, for someone who knows exactly what I'm going through um, because he's in the exact same position. Um, but also another great highlight for me is that I get to be really close to my favorite family member, my grandpa who lives in the close, well, I would say the second closest city to me, but it's where the Peace Corps headquarters are located for us in Barranquilla. So it's about four hours away, but just to be able to, you know, be my own identity in front of him and be able to set um, a lunch appointment with him, not because my whole family is visiting from the U.S. or I'm coming with my mom, just be my own person who works in Colombia. And like I can have lunch with my grandpa now and say, I'm going to be here. I'll pick you up and we'll go on to lunch together has been awesome for me. I just love him. And it's so great to be this close to him and get to talk to him and pick his brain a little bit um, more now that I'm older. Mm hmm. And then previously, anybody that I, that I interview, I sort of send out a, a questionnaire to, to capture uh, 
just some some baseline questions. And you did say that your least favorite memory was PST, which for is pre-service training for those who haven't served in Peace Corps. And you you talked a little bit about that, but I'd like to delve into a little bit more of you know how being Colombian has actually, I guess, made it harder for you as a volunteer. You know, as you said, you thought, oh well. You know, I've I've been to Colombia. I speak Spanish. Not only do I speak Spanish, I speak this regional dialect of Spanish. But what have been some of the struggles that you've had, and how have you overcome them? Um, I think one of the biggest bone to picks I have with Peace Corps, especially in PST, is placing certain volunteers on a certain degree of resiliency. You know. Um, because I am Colombian, because I am a Hispanic female of this region of, of Colombia, therefore, I must be much more resilient than, you know, somebody else who maybe came from Nebraska or from the U.S. who has never stepped out of the U.S. And I just think that's that's totally unfair. That's totally not true. Although I'll admit that the language um, aspect helps me. I don't think that that should be a part that, you know, should be a perk. My whole life, that has been a problem. I studied in English and I learned English. And, you know, when I went to public speaking class and communications class in university, I had to work on my accent and that kind of thing. And so I did feel that at times I got a lot of from the cohort, you know, these people who are supposed to support you be like, oh, well, it must be so easy for you. And I understand that, you know, you're dedicating 30 hours a week to learning a new language and I'm just kind of messing around, you know, feeling whatever, not kind of taking things seriously because I speak this language. Um, but I did feel annoyed with my cohort at times because that, because of that kind of aspect. Um, I never felt I should have been apologetic for the first time in my life that speaking another language that's part of who I am and my culture should have been something to feel bad about or that I should have had to do anything different. So when it came to the social part of PSC, that was something that really, um, divided me a little bit from my group, although they're all amazing people. And it was just, you know, only during times of stress or very little times of here and there disagreements with, you know, my family, for lack of a better word, my cohort out here, um, obviously caused some frustrations, um, as well as I'm, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I know if I was matched to somewhere like Africa or Moldova or somewhere so foreign to me that when I finally got with everyone, I would want to finally just vent about all the new things I was seeing and experiencing and frustrations. And of course, living with the host family is a whole another untapped set of experiences to vet about and talk about. Um, but I just found that a lot of times I would be overwhelmed with a group of hundred, you know, sometimes all the, the cohorts would get together and it would just become a, you know, I would never say this in front of a Colombian, but, you know, X, Y, and Z and just talk about different stuff as I, a Colombian, am in the room. It's very hard to hear these things. And um, I do have uh, a website where I, you know, write about blogs and my experiences here. And that was a, a big thing. And I think one of the highlights of those that I would like to say is for some people, you know, eating a certain type of food, which is, you know, very bland that would come across as nasty is something to laugh about. But for me, it's like insulting my mom. She would make that for me every weekend for breakfast. And so just things like that also drove me kind of to be a little bit quiet and antisocial into my own way. And like I said, if it was me in another culture, I totally get that validity and point because I know that I would be up there front and center having things to vent about and be like, oh gosh, this is so new, so different. How gross is this food? But it's just, 
it was something I never thought I would have to deal with. I didn't think about that aspect, but of course it does affect it. It's kind of like when you go to New York, <laughs> you do not make fun of the Yankees, you know, what mm-hmm. would you think is going to happen? And so just kind of that experience for me, as well as the resilience factor with staff, just thinking that because I am Colombian, therefore everything should be such cake for me, or I should be handling my stress better in certain situations. And then when I would see some of my other counterpart or some of my other um, colleagues and PCVs have so much more minute problems that would be handled which, with such care, such gravity, such um, urgency when I would have a literal problem in the handbook that says should be dealt with a way like domestic abuse in the household, a, a host family household or whatever the, the topic might be was something of huge um, frustration for me. And when I would voice those concerns, it would come across as me not being polite to staff or me resisting the program. And so... I did feel that those were kind of like the seeds of where PSC was just a really, a really hard time for me. And, and also while accepting the new role that I have as a PCV, where we are not entitled to all the luxuries of a normal job that we were accustomed to back home. And so it was just kind of like a bomb of emotion mm-hmm. um, for me in PST, as well as having to move host families once. You know, I, I did have domestic um, abuse in the home, not to me physically, but witness it and go ahead and report it. And, and I'll quote that the exact words given to me were that I should handle my stress better when there's supposedly a zero tolerance policy. Um, and so I did just go to a higher outlet to say I shouldn't be put in this situation. But then ultimately I got thrown into another house that was worse you know they would go through my stuff and it was kind of through like the urgency of trying to put me into a house that didn't have all the bells and whistles that a house should have like a lock on my door Mm -hmm. um and so that was something that was really really hard for me to deal with but I had actually been written up formally for my um PST issues or whatever I guess they kind of worded them like red flags Mm-hmm. Um, but I just thought the whole process was so ironic because at the end of the day, they had delivered that letter to me in Spanish. And so I just thought it was the most ironic thing, like, oh, you know, you didn't even translate it in English for me. So it's just like a whole nother um, being treated like a, a complete other entity compared to your counterparts when I just think it should be equal. It, even mm-hmm. if I understand the point that another PCV has never experienced or been in Colombia or even outside of the U.S., we all sign up for the same thing in the Peace Corps, and it's to be exposed to another culture, to be put through something difficult. No one joins the PCV thinking it's going to be a party and fun and study abroad, you know? And so it's just that aspect of I really do truly think that no matter where you come from and what your background is and where you're serving, it should be everyone treated equally on an equal basis. It shouldn't be this superficial level of resiliency that you can't ever get a clear answer to. Like, why why am I a more resilient volunteer based on what credentials? And the obvious reason is none other, at least that I can see or that anyone has been able to explain to me, is that I am a Hispanic serving in Colombia, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And so... That has been something that's been really hard for me um, to handle, but I have managed it really well, and I think come to terms with it within my year here. Mm-hmm. I mean, thank you for for sharing that. It's something as you know, I I'm a white male. I served in West Africa, so I I guess had the iconic Peace Corps experience. But you said so many different things that I never really thought about or considered. You know, because I I did with all my fellow volunteers when we would get together and we would we would rant 
about all the, the things that we thought were weird about the culture that just drove us crazy and the things with the food. And I, I never thought about, you know, what if, what if someone from my village who was a close friend over, overheard these things, you know, it would, it would hurt their feelings that I was sort of, I wouldn't say making fun of the culture, but just struggling with it in the way that I presented myself and that, that you had to, I guess, be witness to it, that as people were saying these things about the food and the lifestyle that, you know, it is, it is part of you, even though you are an American, you are also Colombian and just, just thank you for, for sharing that. And I guess shedding some light on that scenario and it might make some people think a little bit differently about how they deal with some of these experiences and differences. So yeah, just, just thank you. No, you're welcome. And like I said, you know, as a PCV, I'm not a perfect person. Even in my own culture, I've experienced different things because, like I said, I'm living in such a different social strata than what I'm used to visiting here in Colombia. And so it's not to say that you can't vent those things and say those things. That's what your cohort is for. It's just, um, you know, diversity is a beautiful thing. And, and I truly believe it's not so much about the Facebook things that we post and, you know, the tags that we use on our profile pictures. Diversity is most strong and should be most celebrated when you're spending, you know, when your guards are down, spending time with your family behind closed doors. And that's just how I truly feel. And so it's just something to be noted, at least in my opinion, that's what I think about diversity. And especially when you're PCVs um, serving abroad, you know, what you share with your friends and what you say back home, you know, it holds a lot of weight. It really, mm -hmm. really does. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're currently a volunteer. You've completed one year but looking just forward, what is something that you think you're going to miss or what's something that you're really enjoying about the experience of being being a volunteer? I am really I've been thinking about this question a lot because these are one of the free questions that you sent. Um, and I think I'm going to miss how happy everyone is here. You know, they don't have a lot. I've seen a lot of um, blogs on Facebook over like reshares on Facebook about how Colombia is voted the most happiest place on the planet, I think. And it's so true. You know, they don't have a lot, but my God, everyone here is just the happiest. The kids play on the street. And when you go, you know, you, it's not always great for having work done effectively, especially on the economic sense when <laughs> you're trying to develop business. But um, I'm really going to miss everyone being happy. And it's been really great because I wouldn't describe myself as maybe the happiest person um, pre-departure. Um, but I've really learned to just be grateful for what I had, a great lesson in humility, a humble lifestyle as well, something that I'm really going to miss. I have since visited home one time, went back for my mom's birthday. She would never let forgive me if I missed that. So mm -hmm. I make sure to be there. And I was just freaked out. Honestly, it was too overwhelming. I am from Miami, so it is a pretty major city. And so I think I'm just going to miss seeing the same people every day that I see, seeing my store guy where I get my breakfast for the day, you know, uh, I'm very nervous much so about going back home and entering that hustle and bustle again and getting lost in all the, the, the stuff of the modern world and not, not being as happy, not having such a simple formula for happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I wish you the best, you know, as you complete your second year of service and then that transition of trying to, to maintain that. I know that's something that I've struggled with that I, cherish the simplicity and the relationships and then you get thrown back into American life and you're trying to reconcile, you know, how do I bring 
all of this into present day. So I, you know, it'll it'll be difficult, but you'll have come back to a community of a fellow return volunteers that will hopefully help you navigate that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then. What is something that you've learned? I asked you this question and you talked about the conservation of water and then the about the mayor's office burning down. Is that something you want to you want to talk about with uh, the Yeah, absolutely. Um I do not with running water. There is many um volunteers here in Colombia who do have access to running water, at least a tank system that collects water. And so it's kind of like run, having running water, your shower will work, your toilet will work. Um I am fully disconnected from that. My town never has running water. My family has a reservoir, a rainwater reservoir in the back. And so there's basically a trash bin, I guess, obviously a clean one doesn't have trash in it that I store the water in and use for my um, daily usage. And so I was a total brat um, back in the day. I can't even... I can't even believe that that's how I was just the type of person to let the shower run until it was warm enough for me to jump in. And, you know, I haven't had a warm shower in forever um, unless I'm sick and medical and get to stay in a hotel in the city. Um, And so that's something that I'm going to miss. I mean, I'm just never going to, I miss it so much. (laughs) I, I, you know, I would love to take a warm shower. It's so great. You actually feel clean, but, um, it's kind of like a double-edged sword because I realize how precious this resource is, but then I also realize how selfish humans we can be. Um, for instance, yeah, since I was here, my mayor's office burned to the ground and I was actually, you know, it was such a day there was just like so much smoke and I live in a more or less small town. And so if anything happens, it's not that long before you hear about it. And I was just kind of making my way over there. And then there I was with the rest of my town, just staring at the mayor's office burn to the ground, you know, and it was um, a sight, a sad sight. There was people jumping out the windows. It's not really formal out here. So there's no like safety fire evacuation plan and it was just like chaos and in my heart I was like I have a trash bin of water in my bathroom if we all brought our trash bins of water we could stop this fire but I also work in a farm about eight hours a day and the hike is brutal on this it's very hot in this region of the world a tropical climate and so in my heart I was like I really want to take a shower I really want to flush my toilet too and it's also not my water I do live with a host family and so I have to think of those aspects of like they're gonna think I'm crazy if I'm just giving away their water you know you know they have this water reservoir they're gonna be have to have that talk with me about how you know I can't just be giving the world our water because we need that to eat to drink to survive and so um it's just been something that I think I will never forget um ever ever it's just crazy to me I I was so selfish I mean we we do think of places like Africa that's like the stereotype or Dominican Republic or Jamaica as well where there's all these projects to install running water to have access to clean water but I even in my own country failed to was ignorant in that sense I never would have thought that in Colombia my country there were places that didn't have running water at all I mean I survive on rainwater it's not like sometimes it comes in the morning because there's a lot of places like that here in Colombia as well that you know it will be only in the morning for a couple of hours but even that is a help because you can fill up all your stuff you know or take a shower in the morning but 
to think that there's places like this still in the world is so crazy, right? Like no running water, like you live out the rain. And, you know, when you don't, when it doesn't rain or when it's the dry season, these big trucks of water come and you have to buy the water. And it's not the most hygienic thing because the way they come is in these gasoline tanks. And so you're really just getting like water that has kind of residue of gasoline. You're taking a shower in that, you're cooking in that, you're drinking that. And so that has been something that I'll never forget about my service. And um, it just breaks my heart, too. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's kind of frustrating because I come from a different part of the world where I'm like, it doesn't have to be like this. But then you meet the people who are like this and they love it. You know, they according to them, the people there get to live until forever. And they do have a long, like a very long uh, longevity of life. And they attest it to the rainwater they drink every day that comes from the mountains. And so, you know, it's hard. It's like, you know, I come from a different world, but I don't, who am I to tell them this isn't right? This isn't the way you should be living your life. There's a different thing that you could want. So it's just definitely been an experience. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Well, I've had a great time talking with you. Uh, it's just been very enlightening to, to hear the experience of, you know, a minority and a native than serving in their, their own country. And it just brought to light a lot of things that I never thought about. So I just, I just thank you for that. And before we, you know, sort of close out this episode, is there anything else that you would like to, to share with people looking into the Peace Corps or current volunteers, return volunteers, anybody, uh, just to give you an opportunity to, to share anything else that's on your mind right now? Yeah, I would love to reach out to anybody who was like myself, someone who was maybe a first generation American, really doesn't know what the Peace Corps is and maybe stumbled upon this blog because one of their friends mentioned it to them. But maybe you didn't go to the best school. Maybe you don't have the best GPA. Maybe you don't have the money and the resources. And it's going to be such a drastic change in life. You know, my family is not back home waiting for me with arms wide open saying, you know, come back. If that wasn't right for you, you can just go on about your life and get that job you had for plan B. Um, you should really come and, and consider joining the Peace Corps because you have such a blessing and can connect with with the people and the mission of the Peace Corps in such a way that you will never be able to learn in a classroom and you have so much to offer and that has just been my experience here and it has also helped me let go of so much of the anger and frustration in my heart um, that I had and had become and developed um, because you just have to go through such heights to accomplish that kind of thing and when you feel that pressure on your shoulders of a first generation American, making all your parents' sacrifices be worth something. You just have to be a certain type of person to get through that. And I think it does turn you cold in the world when you're exposed to some of the other things you will see along the road in America and some of the type of Americans you will meet that it has really helped me cope in such an amazing way um, to let go a lot of those frustrations I had in my heart and learn a lesson of humility and happiness that I think that type of American doesn't get to be promoted enough in the Peace Corps, but they at the same time can offer so much diversity and can help Peace Corps' mission be that much better. And so I encourage so many of those many, many men and 
and women in, in the U.S. who are going through such a hard time and maybe just graduated and, and you're not sure where to go, I would strongly advise that you consider the Peace Corps, though. You know, it's difficult. Like you said, this is not an easy thing to do either. And I know it's so much to ask to to have invested so much and, and again, not be making any money for the first two years of, of your adult life when you've worked so hard and, and sacrificed so much. Um, but not everything is about money. And I know in the the Hispanic community, our families do place a lot of importance on that. But how you feel on the inside and, and what you're doing out in the world to help other people in a similar situation has a lot of value in it, too. And so I hope that I can be a voice for other people, that there are some of, of us people who didn't go to Harvard or Duke or something fancy and have nice parents who joined the Peace Corps. You know, my parents don't know what that is. You, There is a place for you here and you can do really good things here and you are good enough to be in the Peace Corps. So that would be my big message. Wow. That, that just from the bottom of my heart, I, I thank you for coming on today and sharing your story. And I, I thank you for your service in the Peace Corps. And it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. So I just wish you the very, very best in your, in your second year as you complete the Peace Corps. Thank you so much, Tyler. This is such a wonderful project. Um, I'm so happy that one of my friend Megan, shout out to her, connected um, me to what you were doing here. And I hope that you get to interview many, many more people. It's such a wonderful idea. And I wish you all the best um, in helping celebrate your service and all the other men and women of America who are serving abroad. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As I said at the beginning of the show, I'm trying to put together a Halloween-themed episode. So if you or someone you know has a Peace Corps story that's about Halloween, All Saints Day, Dia de las Muertes, excuse my horrible Spanish, please uh, call the number that I provided. Once again, that number is 646-883-9189. And you can find that in the show notes if you head over to mypeacecorestory.com. I look forward to hearing your stories. Until next time, this is Tyler Lloyd with the My Peace Corps Story Podcast, wishing you the very best.